Welcome back to another episode of the Bowie Podcast. You got your boys. It's Ken Kwam. Ken Kwam. Jesse Bowie Fitness. What's poppin', bro? And today we have Good to see you. Cody Berman. How are you doing today? Good to see you guys. It's been too long. It's been too <laughs> long. Thanks, man. We grew up with Cody. Uh, we went to high school with him, middle school, all that jazz. And he's been doing a lot since high school. Uh, you, I believe you have a podcast, right? I do. Yeah, the Fi Show, the Financial <laughs> Independence Show. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was actually a guest on there. Not too. Well, how long was it? Like a, two was like a year, year and a half, two years ago. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I went on for a little segment, but we want to talk about that a little bit. Like, what is the Fi Show? Yeah. So I got into the financial independence space probably when I was 19 years old. My mom actually introduced me to it through mm-hmm. Tim Ferriss. I learned about passive income, side hustles, all that stuff. And there were just not many young content creators in the space. Mm-hmm. So back in August of 2018, when we recorded or released our first episode, we started recording in that summer and just wanted to kind of build a community around younger folks who wanted to retire early, who wanted to achieve financial yeah. independence. And since then, it's kind of grown into this beast. I've met some really amazing people, people who are building their own businesses, retiring nice. in their 20s, buying real estate, like wow. anything you can name under the sun. Dealing with personal finance and financial independence, we talk about it on the podcast. Wow, jeez. And you've been learning that since, wait, I'm sorry, how old were you when your mom? 19. 19. So sophomore year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, because you've always been a smart guy. Like, you've always excelled at classes. We've, we were in a lot of classes together. And you, the fact that you were having this in the background is kind of insane to me. Were like, you sophomore year of high school or college? College. But college. still, like, still, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, but still, that's that's still crazy to learn at 19. Yeah. Money. Super Money. transformative, too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, getting that information so early, because I know we're probably going to talk about finances today. Like, time is your friend. So people, sure. I know you have a lot of watchers, listeners, our ages, who are in their mm-hmm. mid, late, even early 30s. Like, you have time on your side. You can start investing, building exactly. a real estate portfolio, doing businesses, like, trying your hand at entrepreneurship before you're you know 55 60 years old that's a a huge leg up on people who start much later no that is true wow yeah man honestly no to start off though i just want to say like i'm real proud of you bro no cap (laughs) because watching all this you know what i'm saying and everything it's just amazing to see bro honestly (laughs) no bullshit yeah man i'm really proud of you bro um i definitely just want to ask a little bit more about that um as far as the podcast like what are some of the main um topics that you kind of like discuss on there would you say um we cover pretty much everything under the financial independence umbrella. So that's yeah. side hustles, that's real estate, that's mm-hmm. frugality, that's mm-hmm. investing, that's building small businesses, entrepreneurship. So people, I mean, there's not like a one size fits all path yeah. to financial independence, financial freedom, early retirement. We've had people who retired in two years from real estate. We have people who built multi-million dollar businesses. We have people who you know, quit their day jobs once they start replacing with this high hustle income. Just like, and that's what's really invigorating i guess to me is hearing all these different ways it's not like you have to go and do this one thing and that's like the key to success that's what a lot of people want they want that one size fits all approach but yeah it's really fun just getting to interview and hear all these different perspectives people from different backgrounds from people from different socioeconomic classes places around the world Mm -hmm. and just seeing that it's possible for anyone just depends on the path you want to take wow okay so generally it's you and a partner on the podcast yeah my co-host justin he's okay. from mississippi actually met him at a personal finance wow, event down in arkansas oh, wow man late 2018 and we've been working together ever since no nah, but yeah bro no nah, that's pretty cool man well i mean as far as um so one of the other things I noticed, um, I think for the Etsy partnership, as far as like digital marketing, I know the partner is really far away as well. Like, why do you choose to work with people so far away? Or is it like just set up like that? It usually <laughs> just happens like that. Like yeah. I strategically pick partners. We can definitely talk about like partnerships today. Like even you guys doing the podcast together. I think having a co-host, a partner, just someone to kind of fill in your knowledge and strength gaps yeah. is so important. Like someone Absolutely. might be really good at editing. Someone might be really good at asking the right questions. Like mm-hmm. it's podcast specific. Someone might be good at graphic design where the other person is good at marketing. So I found just like strategic partners in all my businesses. And I mean, it wasn't intentional that a lot of them are far, far away. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> but like they every, just had the right works, skills. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm just like, oh, nobody can get to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, that's pretty so solid. You can't call you them or anything, you know, right? Like, no, but no. too far away, you can't link. You know, I'm not worried about it. Nah, nah, that's smooth though. That's smooth for sure, <laughs> man. Um, all right, so I know one of the things you mentioned was like the financial freedom, as far as financial freedom, mm-hmm. um, like the side hustles online. Um, would you be able to get into a bit of some of those? Um, essentially, or what is some of the things that maybe you feel like work the best, you know? So I started with like 
freelancing side hustles. So this is like directly trading your time for money. So mm-hmm. it's, I did audio editing. I did copywriting. I did email marketing. Oh, okay. I did video editing. Mm-hmm. I did like everything where it's super transactional, but like some of it was pretty high ROI return on my time. Mm-hmm. Then I started transitioning into more business building side hustles. So like that's like building a brand, like a podcast or a blog or online courses where you're not like directly trading your time for money, but they can kind of scale into something that's even bigger. So that's how I kind of tell people to think about like side hustles. There are the transactional side hustles where it's like driving for Uber or Mm -hmm. maybe you're doing some side gig, like even, you know, like two men in a truck, you're helping people move furniture. Like there's, there's so many different side hustles that you're trading your time for money directly. But then there's these like side hustles where you're like building a brand, building a platform where you might not see the fruits of your labor for a while, like a year or two years or even more. But those businesses can often scale to a much higher peaks than like a transactional side hustle could. Hmm. Um, So that's how, you know, just to give the side hustle framework, how I think about side hustles. But how I tell people if they're like, I don't know how to think or start of a side hustle. Think of a knowledge gap that like older people have Mm -hmm. because older people typically have more money than younger people. And then how can you fill that gap? Like they're probably willing to pay you for your time and your expertise. So anything social media is fair game. People pay a lot of money to get their social media managed. People pay a lot of money. If you can like, you know, create or edit videos, TikToks, Instagram, YouTube, Mm -hmm. just because they don't want to do it. Like people in their 40s, 50s, 60s, they have the money. They want the exposure. They don't have the skills or the time to learn the skills. So that's what I tell people who are our age, like, that is a really good proxy for what's going to be a successful side hustle. Like, see what older people with money don't know how to do. Yeah, what we know how to do. We, we grew up with technology. Oh, yeah. that's insane. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So how would you go about connecting yourself to essentially to the freelancing work? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's the medium? So, I mean, there's a million different mediums out there. The big ones are Fiverr and Upwork. Yeah. Those are probably the two most popular. Okay. But that's just kind of to get your feet wet like the best way to learn this stuff is honestly to just go and do it go and try freelance writing go and try audio editing go and try video editing Mm -hmm. go and try editing pictures or photography or whatever the thing might be Mm -hmm. and you're going to get better you're going to figure out what you like what you hate once you kind of get a roster of projects that you've done you Mm kind of have like a portfolio per se you don't have to have like a website or anything Mm -hmm. then you can start to market yourself on facebook on linkedin to just your network say hey like i'm hey i'm jesse or hey i'm ken i'm doing this you have know anyone who might be interested and yeah. that's a really good way where then you can kind of you know skip the platform skip the third man the third yeah. party and you can just get the profits directly to you so no. but the, the most important thing is though to just like start just get get the skills because you're not gonna be able to market get in there a video editing yeah. skill if you don't ever try I mean, that's what <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean you can feel the same way obviously you've been doing your podcast for three years now mm-hmm. so for us i mean we started at the beginning of the year and we've just learned so much just by doing it mm-hmm. even even though our, our our podcast isn't perfect it's perfect <laughs> it's, it's perfect i edit it <laughs> but no it's just i've learned so much just by putting the content out there and getting as much feedback as possible i think just getting your feet wet and learning the mistakes you have to learn the mistakes to build a business you really do mm-hmm that's oh, yeah you could take an unlimited number of online courses watch a million exactly. YouTube videos read every article under the sun until you do the thing you're not gonna know everything you're not it. gonna know <laughs> for sure man. <laughs> nah, that's definitely for sure um nice right, so going into it i say well you already mentioned some of the things that you did in the beginning um would there be anything that you do different now like looking back on it essentially um I probably would have been more strategic about picking side hustles. So kind of mm. using the same framework I just talked about, mm. like some really popular ones now where people can get like really high returns on their money and time mm-hmm. is anything digital marketing. Mm-hmm. So if you can learn how to run Facebook ads, Google ads, any ad on any platform, okay. older people with money don't know how to do that. Fair. And that's like, it's a great value trade for them as well. So like, I know we, I have a, actually a friend who runs a pretty successful Facebook side hustle course, like. And he teaches people how to do this. Mm-hmm. And you think of any, you know, tradesperson, not hating on tradespeople, but oftentimes they're not that digital marketing savvy. Yeah. A plumber who's making 150K a year doesn't know how to run Facebook ads. If you can bring that person, like, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars in leads a month, they're probably more than happy to pay you a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars a month to do that work for them. So okay. that's a really high ROI, like one that I've discovered in the past couple of years. And I wish I started with that because I had the wherewithal, like I could figure it out. Anyone could figure it out. You just got to go and do it instead mm-hmm. of like 
Freelance writing, I, I didn't really like. I just didn't like writing all those articles for yeah. other people. Mm-hmm. Made decent money sometimes, mm-hmm. but yeah, if I could go back and redo it, I probably would have just like picked different side hustles more strategically from the start. No, okay. Um, so as far as the digital side of things, we, we kind of covered a bit on that, but <laughs> yeah. now as far as like physical inventory and also like physical and products that you decided to sell, um, essentially what was the reason you decided to get into that, you know? That was actually before any of this digital stuff. So that was like right after I turned, or 19, whenever it was, sophomore year of college, I discovered the four-hour work week from Tim Ferriss, and he was talking about side hustles and these things mm-hmm. called muses, is what he calls them in the book. And so I tried to like just create businesses. I wanted like some kind of passive income vehicle. Mm-hmm. I tried to create a tutoring business, that flopped. <laughs> I tried to create a uh, specialty clothing company, that flopped. Mm-hmm. I was literally like on the phone with uh, manufacturers in China, like I'm from Alibaba.com. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was in way over my head and like right. I got like the minimum oh, order quantity is like 10,000 units and I had like no money. I was in college. Yeah, <laughs> so I was like, no. okay, I'm, Can't do I would, that. I'm going to go on this. <laughs> no, no. The third one that did have some legs was the disc golf business, Arsenal mm-hmm. Discs. So nice. I had the marketing and like finance background. He was like a stud engineer, knew how to design everything with the CAD files and yeah. whatnot. So we just kind of went into it. I would, I've been playing disc golf since I was eight years old. It was like a business that I thought would be fun for me. Again, mm-hmm. I talked about like if the side hustle is not fun for you, you're not going to keep it up. Exactly. So it was fun for me designing, testing discs. We went through a lot of iterations and processes, finding the manufacturers, the plastic suppliers, people to stamp the discs, all that, you know, everything that goes into that process. And then we just started marketing and selling and nice. yeah. joined over like 350 Facebook groups, like nice. local disc golf associations from like all around the country. <laughs> we're like, hey, we're this new company. We spent money on a marketing video. And it was a really good learning experience. Honestly, though, like I, if I, if I were to go back in my shoes, mm-hmm. I would never have started a physical product business. Wow! Really? <laughs> wow! Wow! Wait, yeah. wait. You're saying that now you would have yeah. never done it? No. Never done it. No. What? Wait, hold on. No, but but <laughs> why you? Crazy? No, no. But hold on, because while you were saying that, you dropped some few gems. <laughs> yeah. Hold on, because yeah. all right, from what I, you know, what I'm saying, I'm playing it back in my mind. You said you joined like over you 350 Facebook film. groups, bro. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> Wait, for what purpose, essentially? To spread. Market. To spread. Mm. That's what I've been doing. I've what? T- that's what I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Wow. Keep up, yeah. man. Keep so up. with physical products, though, you have to worry about, you know, the actual products being not defective. Yes. So that was a big thing. Like, you get, when disc golf anyway, you get defective discs. They'd have nicks in them. They'd have little dents and whatever. The, the print might be wrong. Mm-hmm. You have to worry about packaging them. You have to get the box. You have to tape them. You have to worry about shipping, shipping and all that, yeah. inventory management. Like, there is so much more that goes into a physical product than you could ever imagine. Especially wow. something like disc golf. Like, the, what are they? Just discs? Are they? They're just plastic discs. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean that's what it's called though. Just a disc. Disc golf. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, called discs. Yeah. Okay. All right. But, so, <laughs> not to cut. No, I'm sorry. But it's like if you're gonna turn your back completely on physical products, you had to have discovered something else. You know what I'm saying? So then, what would be that thing? That, that was when I started just doing all these random digital side hustles like all the freelancing work that i was doing and like building businesses online selling digital products rather than physical products because like with digital products whether it's an online course Mm -hmm. whether it's a workbook Mm -hmm. whether it's a workshop a mini course like whatever that thing might be that you're selling Mm -hmm. you create it once and you can sell it to a thousand people and it's not like really any additional overhead yeah whereas if you create a physical product and you have to sell it to a thousand people that's a thousand times you're going to the post office or packaging up that product it's just like the way you can leverage your time with digital anything is insane. So if I could go back in time, I probably wouldn't have done physical products at all. Wow. But I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I was about lot. to say, though, like, if you <laughs> yeah. didn't, I mean, yeah, if you knew the information. I right wouldn't now. be where I was today if I didn't do that. But now that I am where I am today, know what I know today, yeah. I would tell my younger self, no. skip this. Yeah, just... Go straight digital. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. All right. <laughs> all right. Let's get into that some more, if anything. Yeah. For sure. Because... As far as um now setting up like the system in mm. place, as far as um like marketing or launching a digital product, what does that look like um for you? Totally depends on the product, but this is really important. So something, so I have three online courses, or I pre- previously had three online courses. Yeah. Now we focus most of our time on one that's focused on Etsy. Mm-hmm. What we didn't do upfront, and what any creator should do upfront, is do like extensive market research and figure out what your target audience wants yes. before you create it. Is we spent hundreds of hours, thousands of dollars on video yeah. editing, production, all that stuff on two courses that, quite frankly, just weren't exactly what the audience wanted. Um, one was a blogging course. One was a freelancing course. We just didn't niche down enough. We didn't ask yeah. the audience what their pain points were. Whereas this Etsy course, we kind of had a lot better better grounding of like what people wanted. 
Um, so that is the biggest mistake I and other creators I've seen make is like before you even think about marketing, make sure you're doing the preliminary research mm-hmm. to make sure that like your target audience actually wants this thing. Mm-hmm. Whether that's putting a poll in a Facebook group or a poll on Instagram yeah. or it's just straight up asking them if you have an email list or just get that YouTube feedback. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, get the yeah. feedback, mm-hmm. figure out what the pain points are and then build your content around that because you already know you have people struggling with that problem yeah. instead of just like, I think this is going to be a really good idea. I'm going to spend all this time and money building it and then hopefully someone buys it. It usually doesn't work like that. Yeah. Man. Um, all right. With the email listing, right? Um, what is a good, like, essentially thing for email listing or like collecting those leads and stuff like that? What is like a good app for that? Or Well, you can do it through like all your social media channels. Typically, you can like integrate. There's a, Okay, so, so some of the email marketing platforms I like, mm-hmm. MailerLite is mm-hmm. a really cheap and easy one. I mm-hmm. think it's like free up to a thousand subscribers. Mm-hmm. Oh, then there's okay. ConvertKit, which is like the next step up. That's the one I use in most of my businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be paying like 29 plus dollars per month, depending on how many subscribers you have. Mm-hmm. And then there's like really big ones like ActiveCampaign. But for people just getting started out, like you can put what are called lead magnets in your Instagram bio, in your TikTok bio even on Snapchat or wherever, and this is basically, what, an, what a lead magnet is, is a value proposition where I'm gonna give you this thing for free, mm-hmm. whether it's a video or a workbook or something, and you're gonna trade me your email address. Right. And they're usually excited about that because they're getting something for free. Mm-hmm. And once you, you like give people enough lead magnets away, you're building this okay. list, you're building this following, now you have these people that you can communicate with and mm-hmm. you know, ask them questions mm-hmm. about what products or what struggles you have, mm-hmm. or hey, this is my latest thing, and you know that usually ends up in more downloads or more watches or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's a good way. It's just like getting some kind of a lead magnet. So if you're in the fitness industry, maybe you have a a workout video that's like 30 minutes long, like telling you the basics of working out, or you know maybe you're a nutritionist and you have your five day or your five page like meal plan, or maybe you're in you give and you get. Yeah, you yeah. give and you get. You're something that your audience is going to want that you can you know build your list, a list builder. Absolutely. Right. So. Nah, so that essentially then would be the funnel that you use to kind of sell the products basically. Right? So that's the top of the funnel. So that's mm-hmm. getting people in the top mm-hmm. and then you got to kind of create a journey for them. So whether yeah, that's okay. through email marketing. Mm-hmm. So like once you get them in the funnel, then you have some kind of like campaign built where like they get this email on day one, they get this email on day two or three and then like you can do so many different like conditional things you can do. Like if they click this, you send them this email. If they buy this, you send a different email. You can do these all in these marketing softwares like wow. the MailerLite's, ConvertKit's, Active Campaigns. Okay. But the most important thing is really just building that list. So you don't have to you know go and spend a bunch of money on email marketing. Like just build a list. Like you can it can yeah. literally be in an Excel file or something that you know, <laughs> people are trading your emails and you don't have to get fancy with it. But if just you do, do have it, a, yeah, just do <laughs> it. Just. If you have a following on Instagram or YouTube or TikTok or wherever, yeah. I mean, you already have people there. Like might as well get them closer to you on your email list where you're sharing like the, the good goods. Yeah. <laughs> no, facts, facts. That just like reminded me the way that you said they click this link, you send them that. They, and it just reminded me of like, you know, those life selector games, like they <laughs> yeah. click, you have to click the choice and then they just take their own path. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like, Oh, no. Okay. That's no. interesting. That's a very interesting way to look at that. Hmm. Yeah, bro. I mean, that's a lot of information. Yeah. I know I'm asking it's the question. It's very early. Like, yeah, bro. We're tired. No, no, it's, it's very smooth, though, bro. Not because moving into it, it was just, that's Beautiful. some of the things I've been looking at um, as of the last few days and just doing a lot of research into, you know, because like, as I showed you, you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to get all that work in, but then I didn't really have that next plan as far as marketing or that launch, you know? So yeah, yeah it's definitely, I appreciate you saying that, bro. No I don't know if you guys have heard the saying, the money is in the list, hmm. but that's something like in the entrepreneur online digital marketer space, like, and it's like the most true saying ever. And I didn't understand yeah, that okay. until I started building an email list. Because once you have a list, you have people that you can send all your content, you can send all the products you create, mm-hmm. you can, if you have friends in the space, you can be an affiliate for those friends and promote their products to their courses, their whatever. But you have this like dedicated, loyal audience that yeah, is just, they're already your interested. People. Like just give them the content. Now. You know exactly. You're goddamn genius, bro. That <laughs> <laughs> ass. Like what? <laughs> nah, bro. Yeah, man. man thank um, you for that. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. Build the list. Yeah, literally, <laughs> honestly, bro. All right, so then with going into all these things, um, how do you then find time for, like, the balance of everything? Like, how do you... Like, life? Your yeah, life. business? Yeah, both. No, nah, like, life, bro. Yeah. This is just life, you know? Because, of course, we're going to get into that last or aspect, I mean, which would yeah. kind of be the real estate. But then, like, in between all that, bro, like, where do you... You know what I'm saying? Are you happy? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm we're trying to say. Yeah, Come on, just, just say what you're Basically, bro, you know, you're not, like, 
you're not just working all the time you know what no, i'm saying no no and i love what i'm doing too like i do it more that, for yeah. the sport than like the money or like the financial prowess like i love business building i love figuring out solutions and mm-hmm. like honestly beating other people yeah <laughs> hell yeah um, but yeah i have a good work-life balance like i just got back a couple like a week and a half ago from greece i was there for mm-hmm. three and a half weeks nice, i was working nice. like maybe an hour a day wow and it was awesome so like i have that flexibility in my life but then there's some days where this past weekend we did a big launch for our etsy course like yeah. i was working 15 hour days for exactly. some of those days yeah. so there's a balance there's a trade-off depending on what you want what your goals are how much money you want to make who you want to beat <laughs> but, yeah, yeah i mean i i think i've struck a pretty good balance i do what's called time blocking so like i will designate certain blocks of time to certain parts of my businesses mm-hmm. and i try nice. i try i'm not perfect at it but i try not to like spill over from okay this is my time to you know edit the podcast or reach out to sponsors mm-hmm. this is my time to build new content for this course this is my time to do x y and z and i try to really be dedicated to that thing during that time period so mm-hmm. that helps me manage my time a lot okay Time blocking, you said? Time blocking, yeah. Yeah, funny enough, Fresh said that to me yesterday, bro. Oh, really? You know what I'm saying? Like, just dedicating an hour, yeah. like, whatever the case may be, just plan out the whole day, you know, as yeah. much as you can. Yeah, I have, like, a whiteboard that has, like, the days, and then I have a giant whiteboard, and then I have an agenda that I kind of just try to keep track of. Like, the agenda's for the money, and then the the daily schedule, mm-hmm. and then the big picture. Yeah. That's kind of what I do. Right. It's a lot. It's just a mess in my room all the time. <laughs> it's important though, like goal tracking or progress tracking at all, because like if you don't track anything, you're not gonna know where you're going or where exactly. you're at. Or like that you actually did something. You mm-hmm. know, like that that small little self fulfillment really goes a long way in my opinion. I think it just really motiv it motivates me to just like, all right, I got this small little obstacle out of the way, like time to move on to like to the next bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I did the same thing. I love, like, setting little milestones. So I'm mm-hmm. motivated to get to the next rung and the next rung and the next rung. Instead of just, like, some crazy goal, like, I want to make $100,000. It's like, yeah. okay, but, like, what are... Am I going to hate what, myself What, what does zero to 100000 look like? Like, yeah. you need to have steps along the way to hit or you're mm-hmm. going to get unmotivated. Absolutely. Facts. Yeah, okay, okay. So could you get into, a bit into that then, if that's the case? Like, how would you break down then? You know what I'm saying? Going from zero to even 50 or 100. You know what I'm saying? What would that look like in between? As far as say like, all right, now I get 5,000. I'm going to maybe plan a little celebration or, you know what I mean? Do this, whatever the case. Like, what does that entail? Uh, I need to get better at celebrating, but yeah. <laughs> I definitely at least recognize the milestones. I usually don't have like a any kind of a formal celebration for stuff. I have a couple of times. But I do need to get better about that. Nah. Um, you just came back from Greece. <laughs> <laughs> for three weeks. A little, little bit of a so that, that wasn't for any rhyme or reason. It was no. just for fun. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. exactly. No, you got to enjoy yourself. You've been hustling so yeah. hard these last three years, man. I've been following you. Like you said, uh, like we, I said earlier, I was on the podcast a year and a half ago. Like, you've been hustling. And the course, too, that... I didn't finish. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was busy. I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, but that course was so... In- extensive and like it was just really it flowed so well i really wish i got it done but it is what it is (laughs) a lot of hours poured in that stuff yeah yeah, it's it's honestly crazy thinking of timelines too because i feel like if you don't kind of reflect you don't appreciate where you are Mm -hmm. because three and a half years ago like i quit my corporate banking job in january of 2019 which is not even three years ago actually yeah and at that point i i had like a thousand to twelve hundred a month inside hustle income but I was like super frugal and my expenses were like a thousand to twelve hundred a month. So I'm like, screw it. I'm gonna just try it. I'm gonna jump out yeah. entrepreneurship. And I'm so glad I took that leap. But like thinking back, like it's it was such a scary thing that I did. Like no, I didn't no, have that much proof I'm of the pudding. That's, right what, that's what we're hearing though. Like a lot of people have been just taking that jump even if they're not good financially. You just have to be smart about it. Uh, that's crazy that you just oh <laughs> well, man i mean essentially obviously we know you're smart you know what i'm saying but it's like did you actually like depend on your like you're like oh my wisdom's gonna carry me through this shit you know what i'm saying i, I feel no, like but it's he not still like had that, he had the, the side hustle money like a little bit so mm-hmm. if he could do that little bit mm-hmm. he can do more he knows exactly. he can do more oh, you so know? you are you already doing well with the side hustles before you a thousand to twelve hundred a month which okay, was my ex- my expenses exactly i didn't yeah. have any cushion though like yeah i didn't have any gap between my income and expenses which was you know, kind of scary, but I, I also was like, okay, I'm doing this now. If I have more time, I'm going to be able to exactly. make more money. So. Now the hustle gets harder. Yeah, <laughs> no, facts. definitely. Facts. All right, so that first year, what did it look like? 
was, was it just smooth sailing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's not like grub hubbing on a bike or something for, at one point. That was in Australia, but yeah, I did that. Oh, the, no. the Uber Eats delivery on a bicycle. That's <laughs> wow. crazy. I did Good literally you, like man. 20 side hustles. It was ridiculous. Wow. But I guess I'll give you a quick backstory on like why I decided to quit my corporate job then if you. Yeah, bro. No, no, I'm definitely interested. Uh, yeah, definitely no, we're good. Because <laughs> no, I wanted to get into the real estate I was saying at the end because I feel like now when you get all that money first to start off and then, you know what I'm saying, we transition yeah, into Yeah, the real estate takes exactly. last. So it makes you know. sense sequentially. <laughs> so during the end of 2018, I went to this conference called FinCon. It's for financial content creators like podcasters, YouTubers, bloggers. And there was this guy, Grant Sabatier, who I knew quite a bit about. He had retired at 30. He was like an SEO genius. He had made millions online and built a successful website. Mm-hmm. And I saw him at the closing party. I was pretty drunk. Nice. <laughs> I walk up to him and I'm like, hey, what's up? Like, I'm Cody. I'm 21 or 22 at the time. I think I was 21 at the time. Yeah. Um, I would just love to work with you in any capacity. Like, I want to learn everything you got. Like, nice. just let me be like your free intern, whatever. So we end up talking for like two hours. He was pretty drunk too, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and so I email him the next day and I'm like, dude, it was awesome meeting you. Like, let's... Can't wait to like get started working. Mm-hmm. Doesn't answer me. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. So I email him like two days after that. Email him again, like, hey, I know you're busy. You're just getting home from FinCon. But yeah, let's let's work on something together. Doesn't answer me again. So I hit him up a third time, like a week later. And thank God this kid from UMass probably has never heard me on a podcast or knows yeah. that he gave me this rule, but he always said use the three time reach out rule. This was for, specifically for like interning and yeah. getting a job, but I've just kind of always stuck with that if I really want something. Makes sense. So I reached out the third time and he's like, hey man, sorry, my inbox, I get like hundreds of emails and like I just missed it, whatever. He's like, hey, but like, do you want to organize my book tour? I just finished this book, Financial Freedom, and I need help. I'm like, okay. I no idea what that entails. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, what do you need me to do? He's like, I want to go to these, I think it was a list of 85 or 90 cities around the states. He's like, just start booking venues. That was it. That was my parameter. So I'm like, all right. So I like build a Google sheet. I had contacted over like 700 venues. Like I would like hit up high schools, colleges, bookstores, libraries, Mm. youth groups from each of these cities. I mean, I'm not the highest response rate, maybe like 10 or 20%, honestly. Like a lot of them just wouldn't respond fine. Yeah. But I ended up getting like 90 events booked for this guy. And he's like, hey, you want to come on the tour with me? I'm like, are you serious? Like, I honestly thought he was joking. I thought yeah. he was like him and all the, you know, big financial people are like, hey, watch. I'm going like, to tell this Mess kid around with this intern. Me. I'm going to mess, mess with this kid's life up. Um, but he's yep. like, we had a good talk. And he's like, no, I'm serious. I'm like, all right, I'm in. So my plan was I was going to quit my corporate job a year in because I was going to have to forfeit my signing bonus that I got. Uh, and then no. corporate banking, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Ended up quitting seven months in. End of January, went on the book tour with him, beginning of March. They didn't take back my signing bonus, so. Uh, uh, I'm going to cut that. Don't worry. I'm going to cut. Make sure they don't remember it. (laughs) And we just hit the road. We went to 33 states, 16,000 miles all around the U.S., driving in like a pop-up van. A little over three months. God damn, dude. (laughs) That's so sick. And that was like kind of the catalyst. Like that was like the, the crux of my journey. Like that's where everything kind of turned. Like he really kind of i thought i had a growth mindset before like quitting my job i'm like yeah i'm quitting my job but like this guy and i'm like yeah i can't wait like i'm already making two thousand dollars a month and he was like two thousand dollars he's like dude you've been making twenty thousand dollars a month and i was like oh (laughs) yeah he's like show me (laughs) yeah so he he taught me a bunch about marketing and just side hustles and like building businesses and growth mindset and yeah i owe a lot to that dude even though it wasn't like financially helping me just like the growth mindset he gave me is definitely why I'm at where I'm at today. Like, this is why you should quit your job. Like, this <laughs> is, yeah. But, but you know, with that being said, <laughs> I don't think everyone should just quit. No, not, obviously no, not no. everyone. Not, <laughs> no. not everyone's being, like, treated like that, too. Like, getting that opportunity of having to book this guy's entire freaking tour. Yeah. And then traveling with him for three months. Well, I feel like he kind of proved himself, though. You know what I'm no, saying? No, I'm not saying, obviously. You know, dude, like, that's why I said the hustle. Like, he was contenting so many yeah. venues. <laughs> no, because that's a solid reason to get on after you... Book, book all 90 yeah. venues you, know? <laughs> you give and you get you know? yeah, yeah exactly yeah you give and you get seriously it's like the key to networking is yeah. giving first and then you know you don't always get reciprocation but a lot of times you do and that's yeah. where like a lot of the good relationships come from bro i'm so blown away right now <laughs> all right, everybody no start cap. a business <laughs> just go for it <laughs> yo um all right all right all right what would you say somebody like this the um core things that he said if you can get into a few, like some of the things that he said that he, he showed you, um, if you can recall. 
So one of my favorite sayings he has is you're oftentimes only a few steps away from living a life that you love. And that like always stuck with me is like people think they're so stuck in whatever job they might be in. People think they have no options. They're, they're stuck this way. They can't get out of it. They're living paycheck to paycheck. But you know, it seriously takes like that one, one step, you start a side hustle, two steps, you start investing like the difference. Step three, you mm-hmm. do that for X number of years. Boom, you're like at financial independence, financial freedom. You can change jobs. You can quit your job. You can do something you like. And it's seriously like not saying that it's easy, but it's simple. Like yeah. the path to wealth, the path to you know success with anything is not easy, but it's simple. Like it's just being consistent. It's, you know, gauging the whether it's the audience or the environment and like making the right strategic steps. <laughs> but it doesn't it's not rocket science. Like it's, it's really yeah. not hard like a lot of people think it is it's just the things that people don't want to do it it is literally but like you know you could literally save 20 percent of your income invest it in index funds and you could retire in 20 to 25 years Mm, and that's like just a fact like that's just mathematical nobody's doing that though because nobody no one's doing nobody teaches you that in high school or college they say hey put away 20 to 25 percent of your income for the next 20 years and you can retire. Nobody tells you that. No, I just know MX plus B. That's all I know. Just a slope formula. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's, yeah, I really wish high school would teach more about finances because you really, because they expect you to either go to college and waste all your finances or go into the workforce and not know anything about finances still. I think kind of the, the, the solution to that is the five show. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Go check out the five show, guys. <laughs> yeah, after you watch this episode. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but yeah, man. Wow, bro. Alright. Um. So essentially, I feel I figured out once you have that system in place, that's the only way it becomes simple. You know, because waking up every day, if my plan is alright, I gotta get to work at eight a.m. and then I get out at three, and then I gotta take care of my kid till say ten, and then whatever my girl gets home. You know what I'm saying? Like there's no other plan as far as mm. you know what i'm saying so once you get the system i figure and then i think it's it's easier and the to, ambition man you know you need the ambition to go for it You're a right. lot of it is though because you know to sympathize with that a lot of it has to be on autopilot like yeah. whether that's you know, with the investing specifically getting a certain amount deducted from your bank account every other week or every month or you know a per certain percent of your side hustle income going to a bank account that you can't mm. touch like you do have to set up the systems beforehand but once they're in place you just let them ride yeah and it's not Again, it's not easy, but it's simple. <laughs> no, word, word. Okay. I think that's the best way to put it. <laughs> nah, for sure. With anything though, like being getting being fit and eating right is simple. It's not easy, but mm-hmm. it's simple. Like, it's not hard to eat. Okay, I, it is. I, I guess their temptation. Like, it's not no, hard yeah. to eat clean. I, I guess it's simple to eat clean, but it is difficult because like there's temptation. Yeah. Same thing with like saving money. It's not difficult really, but um. It's simple. I mean, sorry, it is difficult because... No, we get what you mean, you know though. What I mean, we, though. Yeah, absolutely. A yeah. lot of times it's so cut and dry, like anything, whether it's it's fitness or money or it's building just, a business. It's, yeah. it's going doing the same thing day in and day out, but it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to get thrown off course, like for yeah. eating, like, oh, shit, here's the limitations, all that stuff, yeah. This, here's a new Xbox that I'm going to spend $800 on. Like, it, it's really easy to get knocked off course, but... Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple once you kind of set parameters, set those guidelines for yourself, like set the rules in advance so mm-hmm. then you can't break those rules and ruin your whole strategy. No, for sure. So with that being said, what are some successful systems that you found um, as, as far as the recurring payments or refer, recurring deductions? There we go. So when people ask me this, what I typically say, and for most people, this is what I recommend. If you're not like spending dozens of hours per week diving into individual stocks, and stay out of individual stocks. Yeah. <laughs> it is so tempting and flashy and sexy to go buy Dogecoin or to go buy the next new up-and-coming stock. But in this bull market, a lot of people are winning. So it's like really tempting to go and do that. You're like, oh, I just saw this dude who made 500% return on his money, which is awesome. But not everyone has That's that saving yeah. up. You can lose money just as fast as you can make it. Hmm. So index funds are your best friend. And basically what an index fund is, it's like an aggregation of all of the companies in say the S&P 500 or like the biggest 500 companies in the United States. Mm -hmm. You're just buying one share and then you have a little piece of all those companies. So Mm -hmm. like if one company tanks, no big deal. Like you're, 
your portfolio is still going strong. Wow. So for most people, I just say, hey, like put whatever percent you can, like the highest percent you feel comfortable with, whether that's 5, 10, 15, 20, 50% of your income <laughs> and just have it auto invest into like say a Vanguard or Fidelity or yeah. Charles Schwab index fund. Okay. And in 20 years, you will thank me. <laughs> <laughs> no, wow. We thank you now. Thank you know, you. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I even just it made me even forget what I was going to say. <laughs> My God. Yeah, yeah, bro. All right. Yeah, bro. Honestly, thank you so much. I'm gonna yeah, watch exactly. It's like, God damn, bro. After watch this episode, yeah, I'm gonna watch this like, like film, bro. Like, like football, God you know. Damn. Like, go through yeah. everything. Let me give you some real numbers just to show you just like how powerful it is. Even if you're not making the Dogecoin returns that yeah. some people like to talk about, mm-hmm. like, oh, I made a hundred dollars into fifteen thousand, which happens to the luckiest people ever. But those are the stories you hear. No one tells you about when they put ten thousand dollars into some meme coin or penny stock and they lost it all yeah um but so there's this rule called the rule of 72 Mm -hmm. and it's like a good rule of thumb to figure out how fast your money's going to double so over the last hundred years the s p or just like the general stock market in the u.s has returned you know accounting for inflation and all that stuff about seven percent maybe a little bit higher okay so using the rule of 72 you take your estimated annual rate of return which call it about seven percent you divide 72 by that and whatever the answer is that's how fast your money's going to double so just investing in index funds in the general stock market, about every 10 years, 72 divided by about seven, a little higher, mm-hmm. your money's going to double. So if you get, let's say, let's say you save $100,000 by the time you're 30 yeah. and you just, that's it. You don't even add any more to it. You just have it invested. By the time you're 40, that's 200K. By the time you're 50, that's 400K. By the time you're 60, that's 800K. By the time you're 70, you have 1.6 million yeah. to get an account that you didn't add to from that initial 100k when you were 30 wow. like the power of compound interest is literally insane like wow. i would not have even believed yeah. it unless inst- i started investing when i was like 18 and now like this past year like i was 18. like oh my god i can't believe how much i made from literally doing nothing yeah. wow. besides making these strategic decisions earlier on mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that is you know for, for those people who are like you know i don't i don't want to invest because i don't think i'm gonna make that much money mm-hmm. you're gonna make a hell of a lot more than you will keeping it in a savings or checking account. Yeah. For sure. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. you just got to do it right, the yeah. right way. You got to execute it properly. That's the whole thing. It's just the people think they can go blindly into it. No, you have to do the research. You have to do the trial and error with a small amount and then just, yeah, mm-hmm. that's... Yeah, um, right, <laughs> that's cool. the key to wealth. Yeah. <laughs> um, just double your money. That's it. Nah. Would you say like Berkshire Hathaway is kind of an example of an index fund? Or no, not? so that's an individual stock, but okay. it acts kind of like an index fund. So... For those of you who don't know, Berkshire Hathaway's uh, Warren Buffett's company mm-hmm. that is basically like an aggregate of all the stocks he invests in personally. Mm-hmm. So unlike an index fund, it's like a handful of stocks. It's like seven or ten stocks mm-hmm. that are like that compose the main percentage of Berkshire Hathaway. An index fund typically has like hundreds. Like wow. your risk, your per company risk is really, really low. Mm-hmm. So like I mentioned before, if one company just completely shits the bed, goes bankrupt, like you're not losing that much money. Yeah. On the I guess the downside is that if a company blows up, it explodes, it like in a good way, like mm-hmm. it, you know, its value increases by five hundred percent. You're not going to gain that much, okay. but just for like the general masses mm-hmm. over the past hundred years, like just things tend to go up as yeah. technologies advance, as more people enter the workforce. Like all companies are trying to be more profitable, so like they have an incentive. So you, as an investor in that company, even if it's a tiny sliver, you know, you it's own something, a yeah. one three hundredth of that company with your index fund, mm-hmm. you're still going to like take part of that upward trajectory so that's why i like index funds so much is like i don't have to worry about this individual stock like there could be a scandal where the ceo does something wrong mm-hmm. now you lose all your money mm-hmm. and it could seem like a solid company so with index funds it's just like set it and forget it you don't have to worry and do all the research that you would with individual stocks um, is there a minimum like a minimum payment that you have to put down or if anything it's a good question mm-hmm. so getting into the weeds here there's index funds then there's etfs an etf is an exchange traded fund it's essentially the same thing Mm -hmm. etfs you don't need a minimum investment for index funds typically it's like three grand so like you can just buy like etfs say up until you have three grand in your account and then you could just switch over to an index fund and the benefit of the index funds is that you can do what we were just talking about ken Mm -hmm. is the auto investment okay so you could literally just have it like deduct out of your paycheck or out of your bank account every month Mm -hmm. and that's a really awesome way to you know just set it and forget it you don't have to touch it you don't have to do anything you don't have to go to a website click any buttons Mm -hmm. like it's just it's going on in the background and you might might even forget about it a year later like i completely forgot i set this up Mm -hmm. but boom then you have tens or potentially hundreds or 40 years, millions of dollars in there. No. Oh, <laughs> God bless you, man. <laughs> Honestly, bro. All right, so um, 
essentially gathering up all this information now that you put it like we had essentially some traction you know what i'm saying a little bit of money now whatever the case may be then you decided to get into real estate um essentially what was that process like what was that first endeavor or like your, maybe your first living situation like yeah so real estate is a whole different beast yeah. i thought i had it down pat it's kind of like what we were talking about before jesse is like you can read every book you can listen to yeah. every podcast you can watch every youtube video and you don't know shit until no. you do it so i thought i knew everything i had so many guests on the five show that had retired early with real estate Two of my good friends now, actually, I had a couple years back, and their names are James and Emily. They're from Alabama. They retired in two years. They didn't know anything about financial independence, didn't have any properties, and like you know, they were just kind of chugging along, yeah. started investing, investing in rental properties, mm-hmm. and in two years, the net cash flow from their rental properties started to more than replace what they were spending month to month. Wow. So they quit. They moved to Cyprus. We actually traveled with them in Greece. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, like wow. I didn't have any rental properties at this time. I'm like, what am I doing? I see all these people who have rental properties yeah. who are crushing it, who are retiring early. So I'm like, I'm going to get a rental property. Hmm. And that was kind of it. So I started doing my research, started looking at properties, honestly, like in Worcester, like mm-hmm. in central mass, yeah. I was looking like in downtown. And before I went into it, I had like an idea. I was like a house on, for those of you who aren't from the area, like Shrewsbury street, like a popular yeah. street in Worcester. Probably 300K for a triplex. Yeah. No. No. It's like 450, 500K. I'm like, oh my God. Like, I, I'm not going to invest here. I don't have the money to do this. Um, so, one of my buddies who's also a real estate investor told me, he's like, hey, like, start looking in other places like Rhode Island, Connecticut, maybe even mm-hmm. like Southern Mass. So, I started looking and I started seeing a lot better price to rents. So, then I kind of started my touring. So, I was touring properties left and right. I think we had toured at least 15 properties before we ended up like getting our first one one. um running the numbers on all them learning a lot about just like okay walking through a house this is gonna break in a year this is gonna cost a thousand dollars this boiler looks like shit this is gonna cost seven thousand dollars and just like getting kind of a mental model of while you're walking through a house and like assessing a property that took a while yeah that took a lot of reps just like anything else just like working out just like finances just like side hustling it takes reps to like get good at something or like shooting free throws, whatever your analogy is. Yeah, um, but yeah, then we ended up getting that first investment property. It was a three family mm-hmm. bought it for, it was actually listed at what I thought was way under market. Cause I had been doing research, like getting emails yeah. every day. And actually let me just back up a second mm-hmm. for those who are interested in getting into real estate. Think of your parameters, where, what zip codes, what states, like wherever you want to live, yeah. then find a realtor, have that realtor set up automated marketing emails to you. So, like every single morning I would have new properties in my inbox that met my criteria. Okay. It would be like, you know, multifamily in these zip codes for under $300,000 or, wow. you know, set your own parameters wherever you are and whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But that was really helpful instead of like, you know, scrolling through Zillow because at that point sometimes it's too yeah. late. Mm-hmm. It weeds them out. You get like exactly what you want and if it's the best suited for you. Exactly. Yeah. And there still is a lot of noise. Like even if you have all those parameters set up, you still might only put in an offer on one of every 20 properties Mm -hmm. but that helped me a lot so i just wanted to you know for people who are like how can i replicate this process that's Mm -hmm. how i started Mm -hmm. started touring properties started getting the reps in ended up putting an offer in on that multifamily down in connecticut Mm -hmm. it was listed for like 210 but we offered actually 25 over which sounds crazy but like i'll get into the numbers in a second Mm -hmm. the numbers were just like too fantastic to give up on this deal we Mm -hmm. actually put an offer in the day it came on the market. Wow. Um, so it's a three family right now with like all of our tenants in there rents for 3,400 a month mm-hmm. in gross rent mortgage. All the expenses is like 1700 a month. Wow. So it's like smooth, almost double yeah, in bro. profit <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. a month. So like, that's why I was like, okay, we need to offer like way over. We actually ended up waiving inspection on that one. And we had like, I took a bunch of pictures and sent it to my contractor friends. Cause I really wanted this property. Yeah. Um, Ended up getting in that property. I know you asked about living situation. Mm-hmm. So me and my now fiance Lauren lived Congratulations, in. Congratulations, by the way. Thank bro. you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, bro. Uh, we lived in the basement, basically, of that property. Mm-hmm. So how that property set up? There's a split level duplex on top. So there's a three bed, one bath, three bed, one bath. Then around back, there's a one bed, one bath basement unit. Okay. It's not like a basement. Like it's, it was actually nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it looked good. So we lived there. So we're essentially like house hacking for those who haven't heard that term before watching and listening it's Mm -hmm. when you buy a property and then you're renting out like portions of that property Mm -hmm. to other people whether that's rooms in your house whether that's other units if it's like a duplex or triplex Mm -hmm. what's a great way to not only you know erase your housing expense but actually Mm -hmm. make money from housing so while we're living there like we're paying again 1700 for pretty much everything all in that's mortgage property taxes insurance Mm -hmm. trash Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> and we're taking in like 2200 a month in rent. So we're making 500 bucks a month mm-hmm. to live there. Wow. We didn't. We only ended up staying there for three months because then we moved back to Central Mass for another investment property that we uh, mm-hmm. we moved into. But yeah, and we actually, in the, our current living situation, we have a one bed, one bath detached. And part of the same property, even though it's like 50 feet away, is a four bed, two bath apartment attached to 600 square feet of office space. Wow. So we rent all that out. We live in the one bed, one bath. It's a really nice place. It's plenty of space for us. It's just yeah. us two. We don't have any pets or kids or anything. Mm-hmm. And we make about 800 a month living there. Wow. So it's like the opposite of rent. <laughs> <laughs> nah, that's, that's definitely big though. I, I definitely wanted to get into the house hacking because I know someone who started off, um, it's a like a one floor, but then it's five bedrooms in the space. He lived mm. in one bedroom and then rented out the other four Smart to like college students and then he's on to his second house now. Um, but in total, it's like 12, 12 doors. You know what I'm saying? So I wanted to get into that. But even before that, why did you decide to go directly into... Um, Essentially, like house hacking, um, or like renting out the units. I, I would have, I would have assumed that now that you have some money, you get a house and then like living it by yourself with your girl. You know what I'm saying? You have, you know, you have everything that you want. Basically, why would you decide to go about it that way instead? So good question, mm-hmm. and I always recommend house hacking as the stepping stone to get into real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One reason is because with house hacking, if you get an owner occupant loan through a bank, you only need three point five percent down. So instead of a typical investment property where you need 20, at least, sometimes 25% down, so let's say you're buying a $200,000 property, you're gonna need literally like 10 or 11 grand yeah. to buy a $200,000 property mm-hmm. with an FHA loan if you're an owner-occupant. Mm-hmm. If you're just an investor, let's say you have your own nice house, then you're like, I'm gonna start investing in real estate. Mm-hmm. Now you're gonna need like 40K to invest in that house yeah. with 20% down. Okay. It's a huge difference yeah. in the capital it takes to like start investing. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is, kind of what I talked about before, like if you can eliminate those big expenses, like if you can get rid of your housing expense, mm-hmm. you have so much more of a gap in your budget to now use that money to invest or use that money to start a business. Um, mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, you have this mortgage here, now you're gonna go assume another mortgage and buy this rental property. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, it's, it's still a good investment, mm-hmm. but if you can kind of bundle those all into one with that first house hack, it just makes everything easier and it works out a lot better financially, especially if you're young. Like if you don't have a big family and you have the flexibility to do this, like, yeah. like your friend who's renting out the rooms, that mm-hmm. might not make sense to a 40 year old single woman. Yeah. But if you're in your 20s, mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. might be a viable option and you can make a lot of money, you build equity in the house, your housing expenses zero or positive. Positive for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that, that's why. No. Okay. Okay, man. Um, so as far as going into it, um, well, same with maybe that friend couple, your couple of, <laughs> your friends that you was talking about, right? Yeah. Did they do it like leveraging credit? Um, Like essentially, how do you get started in it? You know what I'm saying? Because the average Joe would say like, maybe like 600 credit, five, nine, whatever the case, like how do you then go about maybe correcting those mistakes and then getting to that point? You know, are you aware of any? Yeah, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest things I hear in the kind of credit industry is that you need to carry a balance on your credit card to build credit, which is just complete bullshit. Yeah. I don't know who started that. It must have been a credit card company, but that's <laughs> it, had <to> be. <laughs> it had to be. It's completely false. Like you never ever want to carry a balance over from your credit card from one month to the next. Like you don't want to be making minimum payments. You don't, that doesn't build credit. That's no. not how credit is no, built. No, no. The things okay. that factor in, like if you are, you know, if you have made a couple late payments, like there's no way to really just like eradicate those and get rid of them, but just like make sure you're on time with the rest of your payments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you currently don't have a credit card, like get a credit card and use it responsibly. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a great way to build credit. There's also things called piggybacking credit. So you could get someone with like a really good credit score and you could kind of be almost essentially co-signed on their credit oh, card. Oh, yeah, yeah, I loan, heard about that. Mm-hmm. And that will boost your credit score. Um, so you can get a loan if you're in like the 600s. Mm-hmm. I mean, ideally you want to be in the 700s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not like unheard of to get a loan if you have like a low 600s credit score. Now, if you're in like the 400s or something, then <laughs> you need to just like kind of Get your shit together. You're like late on every payment and you have a ton of debt built up. Yeah. Um, no, we're. But what yeah. they did was mm-hmm. they just like hopped from house hack to house hack for their first couple, I think. That's also the crazy thing, too, is that it really, like, you could have easily have five properties in the next five years because with that FHA loan thing I was telling you mm-hmm. about, you need 3.5% down and then you have to live there in exactly for one calendar year, so 365 days. You can literally move on the 366th day into a new investment property and pay 3.5% down. Mm. So you could like save up 10K each year and just buy a new like $200,000 property. Bang, 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 bang. And you know, in five years, you have five properties. Mm. And you don't have to say, you only have to save up 50K, which, which is a lot of money, but not 
that much over the course of five years. Yeah, if you're, right. if you're already doing it. it. But yeah. Technically, that 50K would then have just leveraged you into a million dollars. Yeah. Right, if that's 205 times. Yeah, yeah, you'd have a million dollars worth of, I mean, you'd have the loans, obviously, as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'd have a million dollars worth of real estate with $800,000 in mortgage loans. <laughs> but still, it's a good income vehicle, yeah. No, wow. Yeah, bro, you definitely, you definitely, you're saying. Buy a house right now. (laughs) (laughs) Go on Zillow, right? Let's go, let's go. I got like a 720. (laughs) (laughs) That's only right, bro. Yeah, man. Nah, cause I definitely just wanted to know, like, as far as getting started. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, bro. Um, all right. And then for scaling that, you said you're able to essentially just repeat that same thing over and over again within a year. You know, that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah. Okay. Because you only need the 3.5 percent down. Like that's usually the biggest obstacle to people buying real estate is the down down payment. Yeah. If you have to pay, you know, sixty thousand dollars down on a three hundred thousand dollar house to buy it with twenty percent, like that's that's a lot of money. For sure. If you have to pay twelve or fifteen thousand, that's a lot more doable for most people. <laughs> yeah. No, so. that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. Wow. Okay. Um. That's so it's kind of like what they did with this house because my sister she bought the crib and then my brother renovated it and just yeah I pay rent. It's dirt cheap. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Family ties. Family ties. <laughs> Enjoy. But no, I definitely want to... I've been looking into that. I, I really want to buy a property. and I mean, dude, it's doing so well for you. It just really inspired me to really shoot for it. Especially because I, I can see that it's doable, you know? Like, my, my family literally did it right in front of me. So it's just... I mean, it's not going to be easy like that. Obviously, it has a test and trials. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not all sunshine and Yeah, of course not. Absolutely. (laughs) There's a lot of bullshit that goes into managing properties, whether it's tenants or things going wrong with the property. Mm -hmm. We had a sewage backup in one of our properties because the sump pump was hooked up wrong. There was literally like six inches of sewer water in our tenant's basement. Oh, man. And had to like pay to get it pumped out, had to get a boiler replaced in another unit. Like there's a lot of stuff that you need to be good at money management. You need to be patient. Like I'm currently literally one of my tenants was texting me this morning (laughs) complaining about one of the other tenants. It's like, I'm not your babysitter, but uh, (laughs) this is stuff that happens. So it's not like you just like buy a property and then all of a sudden it prints money and you have the best tenants ever. There is a lot more that goes into it that you have to be aware of. Mm-hmm. So with tenants, do you do like a background check or Let's what do you it. do? Yeah, I was gonna... yeah, we screen tenants pretty hard. Like yeah. we do a background check, we do a credit check. We That's honestly, we, sometimes we're somewhat flexible, but we usually don't even rent to people less than 700, Yeah, which no, is like it's... crazy strict, but it has helped Dude. us really weed out bad players and <laughs> helped us for the most part get good tenants. And it's your money, you know? You don't want someone else to mess, mess with your money. Yeah, and my yeah. property. Yeah, I don't want them to destroy it. Of course, of course, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. No, yeah. right. Wow. Um, okay. Uh, are there any same mediums that you use for that? Yeah. Right. As far as like uh, weeding out the tenants. Um, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So I use apartments.com for like everything management. So mm-hmm. I have the tenants applied through apartments.com. I run the background checks through apartments.com. I list the properties when they're ready to be listed on apartments.com. It just has everything on there. It has like yeah. everything on there. It's just like a huge conglomerate. It makes it easy for yeah. okay. management. And I have also, which is important for me anyway, cause I don't want to drive down some of my properties are like an hour away. Um, they all have like automatic payments set up through apartments.com. Mm, so I'm not going in and picking up cash or collecting a check. Just boom, I have right them all like on oh, auto pay. It's easier for both of us too. Cause it's like, even as a tenant, it's kind of a pain in the ass. If you had to go meet with your landlord, hand them a physical check, like yeah. you want to kind of just go on with your day, click pay. Dude, it's today's generation. Like yeah. I know all that stuff just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's wicked easy. Wow. So apartments.com is what I use. <laughs> no, clutch. Sponsored um, by apartments. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as evictions go, have you ever had to evict anybody? We threatened eviction on these one couple of tenants. I don't know how. We actually ended up doing the background check, so they weren't tenants we inherited or anything. Mm-hmm. And they passed. They had good credit. And they were like alcoholics, drug users, fighting all the time. Nice. I guess like body awesome. slamming each other. Oh my <laughs> God. Uh, so I threatened eviction. And I was like, listen, guys, like you don't want an eviction on your record. And like you should just move out on your own accord. And they yeah. did. <laughs> no, good. Wow. Yeah. So that's really good to say that though. I you do not have to evict anyone yet. No, okay. Okay. No, you won't. Well, yeah, because I mean, I know as far as like that goes, that's kind of the essentially some of the obstacles that come with it, you know? But yeah, wow. <laughs> nah, that's that's smooth, bro. That's smooth for sure, man. It's not. It's definitely not easy though. Um, what are some of like common um difficulties that you have to deal with when it comes to managing a property? Okay, like, so tenants is number one. Yeah, of course. Getting, but a lot of that is legwork upfront, and then once you get a good tenant, usually they're a good tenant for mm. a long time. That's one big one. 
a lot of just the little nitty gritty stuff I didn't know about. Like when we bought our first property, I'm like, oh my God, I have to like re-key all the keyholes here because I have no idea who has keys to this property. Yeah. Mm. That was one I didn't know. Um, managing just like transition times, like trying to get repair people out there if things mm-hmm. need to be repaired. Um, you know, showing the property, taking pictures. Like there's just kind of a lot that goes into you have to be timely with all your management stuff. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest challenges. Although like we try to be really diligent and like have reminders and spreadsheets and all that stuff. And I get tracking is another big one. Like making sure you're like tracking all the money you're putting into that property mm-hmm. and making sure if you have multiple properties, like you're keeping each property kind of its own accounting book. Um, so those are things we all learned along the way, but man, yeah, it's, it's kind of a lot of management to set up. Once yeah. you kind of get the systems in place, talking about systems of before, course, yeah. it's a lot easier, but like from the start, you just don't know what you don't know. So you don't really have any systems at all and you got to build everything from scratch. Nah. And is, is this something that you're still managing yourself? Like you're also, you're still doing all that yourself or? So I manage them, but mm-hmm. that not, that might not, people might think is managing. So like if there's a plumbing issue, I call a plumber. If there's an electric yeah. issue, I call an electrician. Like I'm never going to the property, but I'm still managing them. A lot yeah, of people okay. like ask me that and they're like, oh, like you're not, you're managing the property, but you don't go down there and fix stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. Uh, no that's why, yeah. <laughs> it's a rental property. Like it cash flows for a reason. So I can pay other people to fix the problem. I don't mm-hmm. want to drive an hour there, an hour back, spend however long trying yeah. to fix the thing that I might not even be <laughs> skilled enough to fix. Exactly. Wasting my time. No. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. It definitely makes sense, yeah. Because I had a landlord that would come through and, like, literally go about fixing everything, bro. He didn't want to pay nobody to do exactly, anything. Exactly, right? You know what I'm saying? That's why I wanted bad. to ask that. Yeah, bro. No, nah, but that's cool, though, because then it eliminates a lot of the, like, pressure. Or, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of the stress, if that's the case. We did fix up at first, but then I was like, why am I installing a sink right now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, this is taking me like two hours. Yeah. And I could have called a plumber who could do it in 15 minutes and paid him $100. Yeah. Like, that's a much better use of my time. <laughs> so it's it's taken a while like for me to be comfortable just like offloading everything. Like yeah. We had a tenant move out in October. And like typically before, me and Lauren probably would have just painted it ourselves and yeah. fixed up stuff. And I'm like, no. I'm just going to hire someone to paint. I'm going to hire someone to fix the little knickknacks and stuff that went wrong. And then we'll relist it and get it sold. I'll probably end up spending like $300, but that eliminates a bunch of driving for me, a bunch of hours spent. And it looks better, property. you know, like yeah, it's probably professional. Better. Exactly. It looks yeah. professional. Yeah. So. <laughs> Not for sure. Yeah, I don't think I mentioned this metric thing though, uh-huh. but for people who are like, real estate sounds like something I'd be interested in. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people just don't understand how the numbers work at all. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this rule in real estate called the 1% rule that a lot of people like use. And basically what that says is you should be getting 1% of the property's purchase value in rent per month. So if you buy a property for $300,000, you should be able to get $3,000 per month from that property in rent. Okay. So whether that's, a, it's, it's a lot harder with a single family, but that's why a lot of people get into multi. Yeah. So like, you know, this, the first multi that I bought, I bought for 235K and now it makes $3,400 yeah. a month in rent. So like I'm way over that 1% rule, mm-hmm. which is like, that, that's a good proxy to just like eliminate bad deals. Right. But if you're buying a property for 300K and you're renting it for 1500 a month, like mm-hmm. you're going to be losing money. Yeah. Um, so that's just important to like understand some of the metrics. Obviously that's a really basic equation and mm-hmm. there's a lot of nuances that of go course. into real estate. Absolutely, of course. But it's a good proxy, the 1% rule. So 1% remember that for those rule. who are looking on the 1% Zillow now. <laughs> oh, is that, is that after, um, well, you said crunching the numbers, of course, you have to figure out if the numbers make sense. But um, does that 1% rule, well, you figure out how much money that you're going to make after, say, like, renovation or knowing that, like, the tenants are not going to, there's going to be, like, maybe one tenant per bedroom or whatever the case may be. Like, how do you figure that out, essentially? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. Again, it's kind of a back-of-the-napkin approach to it, but it's, okay, let's say you buy a property for 300000 and you're going to put $25,000 in the work. So now your basis is 325k. Mm-hmm. You want at least $3,250 in rent. So you can kind of estimate looking at other properties in the area like, okay, I see these are rooms for rent for 700 and I have five rooms for rent. That means I'll be making 3500 a month. Perfect. That meets the 1% rule. Okay. Or yeah, if you have a duplex, check out like what a two bed, one bath or a three bed, two bath is renting for that gotcha. area and then using that as a proxy. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's like it's simple, but it's like you gotta like under, you gotta understand it. Exactly, but it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not easy. Is that the name of this episode? Yeah, I think we have, I think, I think we have to do it. <laughs> it might be, yeah, bro. Everything's simple, no. but not, not easy. easy. Nah, for sure. I like that. For I sure. Like that. Yeah, bro. I definitely went in the full circle. All right, so then we'll kind of now go back into what I've been seeing you promoting like the last few weeks as far as social media. Um, if you could get into a bit of that and kind of like the promotion aspect of you know putting putting yourself on basically you know 
You can get into it as much as you want to. We've seen your TikToks. We've seen everything. (laughs) Everything. We watch you. What's all that about, you know? Oh, yeah. So I'm doing a bunch of things online. So there's TikTok I'm doing. And then you probably saw pretty recently us promoting the Etsy course that we have. It teaches people how to create and sell digital products Mm -hmm. online. Mm -hmm. Um, So that just ended. We just closed enrollment yesterday. But, like, that was just, like, a lot of brute force. Like, just getting myself out there, doing stories, doing lives, doing posts everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, but in terms of TikTok, so that's something I've been kind of focusing on as just more of like a personal brand thing. I don't just focus on any one specific part of my businesses. Like of course. I talk about real estate, I talk about personal finance, I talk about selling digital products online, I talk about investing. I'm just trying to build a following there because I went to that same conference this year, FinCon, that mm-hmm. I went to 2018 where I met Grant. Mm-hmm. There's these TikTokers, 18, 19, 20, 21 years old that are they have millions of followers that I, I hung out at the tiktok house actually one night it's like 2 a.m oh We're yeah all pretty drunk hanging yeah. out they're showing me their followers and this kid's like yeah i just signed a seventy-five thousand dollar deal with capital one for like all these sponsored posts and wow, like sponsored content crazy. and i'm like all right well maybe i should give TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like, i've been dismissing tiktok as a social media platform just because i was like hmm. honestly like one I of the old, one of the like older not even millennials i guess i'm like right in the Cusp, this, cusp yeah. of Gen Z millennial. Yeah. I'm like, like, one of the older ones that's like rejecting the new technology nah. stuff from social media. I'm like, nah. I don't need TikTok. I don't need to use that. And then I saw all these kids, and I'm like, I need TikTok. <laughs> need that. Like these kids are making. Dude, it's so easy. It's dollars. so yeah. easy. It's just wow. finding the right algorithm. But like, I've noticed that tw- TikTok, it has its weird algorithms. Yeah. Like we when when we first started doing TikTok, like we were we were getting some views. We were getting decent views, and then like it just died out of nowhere. Don't yeah. know how. No, and, nah, bro, because I swear too much, I think. No, no. <laughs> you're still soft, right? The pH balance is out of whack. You said, me, you said it before the podcast. No, he's being a bitch. Bro, I swear to God. TikTok is so unreal that you can literally go viral just off of one thing. And it just hits some sort of algorithm. I'm still trying to figure it out. So let me know if you figure it out. I, ha- I haven't yet. There's it's this girl tough, who dude. I met named Erica who like just started her TikTok two months ago. And mm-hmm. she has 3 million followers now. Nah, what? bro. She had one what? video blow up, and now I mean, with that many followers, you can just—it's all about audience building, list building, yeah. just getting people in your ecosystem. Like <laughs> now, she can command huge brand deals. Facts. To get yeah. in front of that many eyes. Like, I mean, what is crazy. she? What is she doing though? Um, it's personal finance oh, from wow. like a lawyer perspective. Wow. So like, okay. I think one of her videos that blew up was like how to get free Nike shoes or like how to get uh free flights from United. Stuff like that. Where, like all these little like financing. Yeah, because I've, I've seen some of your hacks too about traveling basically for free. Or, yeah. 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 So I'm trying Everyone to like replicate was, some of that. I don't know what the magic formula is. If I, if I find it, I'll tell you. Dude, please, please, please. <laughs> or else I won't post this. <laughs> Hold the <laughs> hostage. If I you know. Know. <laughs> nah, okay, I'm, I'm going to need it though. Oh, yeah, of course. You know what I'm saying? But if anything, nah, nah. Thank you so Not much, bro. Honestly, you put put a lot of game. You put a lot um, of game for us all. No, but hold on, because um, now it's just it's coming back to me. Tissue, I, I seen. <laughs> I, you know what I'm but no, no. I think one thing I seen recently was as far as like traveling for free that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? On as far as the, the system for that. Yeah. What what would that what does that entail? So that is what a lot of people call travel hacking, and a lot of that is done through credit cards. So, for example. Chase, Sapphire, Preferred, or Reserve. Preferred's probably more attainable for yeah. most people. I'll just lay it out nice and easy. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a credit card. You sign up for it. You got to spend. I think at this point, it's like you spend four thousand dollars in three months, and you get sixty thousand rewards points. Yeah, they're called Chase Ultimate Rewards Points. Now, listen though, for those who are signing up for that credit card right now, don't carry a balance month to month because then the credit card company wins. You want to win. We want to get the points and. You know, rip off the company, not them ripping us off. Yeah. Um. So, like, say once you get sixty thousand points, you, you <clears> spend the four k in three months, and if you're if that sounds like a crazy amount to spend, pay off your car insurance for the year. Buy Literally, a five hundred dollar yeah. grocery Gas, gift card whatever. for the store you usually shop at. Like, there's a lot of ways around it. Okay. Um. But with sixty thousand points, like the trip I just booked to Greece, mm-hmm. literally a round trip from Boston to Athens, I think I spent like. 50,000 points total on me and Lauren. So both, the, both, both of them were wow. completely free. Wow. Both of the flights were completely free from that That's one credit beautiful. card. Wow, okay. And there's a bunch of cards like that. That's usually just one of the ones I tell people to start with. Yeah, yeah, Chase, yeah. Sapphire, Preferred. Capital One Ventures, another good like, beginner Just go type check card. out his TikTok. He has all the information <laughs> there, guys. Just no, honestly, go blow his shit up. Yeah, Come honestly. on. <laughs> we're all trying to get famous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a whole new world. Like I thought it was a scam when I first heard about travel hacking. And then I like met people who were actually doing it in person. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And I booked my first 
I don't remember where my first flight ever was. It was with the Capital One Venture, though. I do remember that. Yeah. And I remember like clicking the redeem points, and it like went through, and I'm like, I was like "All right, all sick, right, let's, let's go." <laughs> I, I like, saw right. this like video a while back. This guy had like 20 different credit cards for 20 different things, and it was obviously don't get 20 credit cards, don't do that. <laughs> but it's just like he had reward points for certain things in life that he just like kept on his card. It was, it blew my mind, and that was years ago. So the fact that it's like I see it. I mean, you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Literally, fuck, you just did it. <laughs> yeah, it's still huge, yeah. There's oh. still a lot of opportunity. You don't have to, obviously, get the 20 cards. Yes. Some people get crazy with it. Most of the value you're going to get from credit cards is from that initial sign-up bonus. Absolutely. So even if it's like 5x on groceries, like, okay, you spend $100 on groceries, now you have 500 points. Exactly. Awesome. Or you get 60,000 points from hitting the sign-up bonus. Like, you... 90% of those rewards are going to come from that sign-up bonus. So, yeah. um, so get the bonus, get the, bonus. the card, the and then get another card. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. no, um, as far as um, the cancellation, like, uh, back Friday, it's not good to cancel credit cards. Um, do you know anything about okay, that? Okay, I'm glad you asked this question. Mm-hmm. So for no annual fee credit cards, you can. it's probably a good idea to like cancel them after a year. Sorry, for credit cards with annual fees, mm-hmm. if it's like a big annual fee, like some of them are literally $550, mm-hmm. If you just want to get the points and screw off, like that's fine. You should just cancel those. Wait as long as you can. Like wait until right before that year mark. Yeah. I have an Excel spreadsheet because I'm a yeah. data nerd and I like to be organized. <laughs> no, you have I'll to call be. the bank and I'll either I'll downgrade the card or I'll cancel it completely. For lower annual fee and free annual fee cards, I will just keep them in perpetuity. The reason being, one of the things that affects your credit score is length of credit history. It's yeah. about fifteen percent of your credit score. So you don't want to be just like opening a card and canceling the next month, opening a card, canceling the next month, because then your length of credit history is going to be like three months or something really mm-hmm. short. Um, as you start to do this more and more, like I've had a credit card that I've had since I was 18. There's no annual fee on it, but now I've had it for like almost eight years. Yeah. So like that really helps my length of credit history. So that should, you know, there are ways around it. You don't, if you do apply to all these credit cards and, mm-hmm. you know, don't do a bunch at once, but once you start getting comfortable, you can start to accumulate more. I've gotten like, 30 at this point. <laughs> uh, I, I like the game, but I'm strategic about it and I'll cancel the high fee cards and keep the ones that make sense. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, and I mean, you can negotiate too. Like you can call up United or Capital One or uh, sorry, not United, but like the chase cards that have United points mm-hmm. and you can say, hey, like I'm not getting that much use out of this card or like, hey, I don't think the annual fee is worth it for me. I'm not using this enough. And sometimes they'll waive the annual fee. Sometimes they'll downgrade you to a different card that allows you to still keep those points. Wow. That's so, dope. you know, just calling, taking a little bit different route than everybody else who just kind of accepts what they got. Yeah. I mean, not only just with credit cards, but just in life. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That too. That too. Of course, life. No. But yeah, there's, there's, I mean, travel hacking is a ton of fun. It's, it's mm-hmm. awesome getting free trips and flights and all that stuff. It's got, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You definitely got under my skin this episode. Yeah. I thought like, I knew this was gonna be a good episode, but it's like, goddamn, <laughs> <laughs> you know? it's a whole lot. You couldn't sleep last night, bro. I swear, I swear. I was, yeah, man. Thank you so much, bro. Thank oh, you so yeah. much. My pleasure. No, no Thank you for all the insight, all the. The, the hacks, man. The hacks is what really got me. Where it's at. You guys better be li- paying attention. Come on. It's right there. It's simple. But it's not easy. <laughs> but it's not easy. Yeah. No, honey, Nah, I, I think we should wrap it up, though. Thank you so much, Cody, for coming on to the podcast. You, you definitely you definitely blessed us. Blessed sure. us all, the audience. Yeah, thank you guys for having nah, me. Appreciate you. Bro. Check out the Fi Show. <laughs> the Fi Show. Don't worry, it's gonna be in the description. You already know it's our boy Ken Quams. Yep. Where can we find you on social media? I'm not gonna. You're just gonna ignore me. <laughs> bro, you gotta say <laughs> his show. You didn't say his fuck? name at all the whole episode, bro. Yeah, we introduced him. He doesn't need it. It's gonna be in the description. No, no, no. Fi Show. I'm in the show notes. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Say, say your name, buddy. All right, so just say, Cody Bergen. <laughs> Nah, I know. Come on, bro. The Jesse Boy Fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good podcast. Tune in to season two. Nah. Thank you. <laughs> Great episode, bro. Great episode.